Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet, Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with racketeers and saboteurs risking his life that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure The State versus Chester Canby. The Green Hornet strikes again. time for all of us to pitch in and help. That's what we're asked to do to help solve the food problem for 1944. Farm production goals for this year are higher than ever before, but the military and civilian demands are higher too. One solution to the problem can be summed up in two words, victory gardens. The victory gardens planted last year produced 8 million tons of food. This year, the call is for 22 million victory gardens of all types and sizes. Even if you have but a small, sunny space in your backyard, you can grow a limited supply for your own use. And you can get helpful information on the care of your garden by writing to your state agricultural college or to Victory Gardens, Washington 25, D.C. And now, the Green Hornet. city criminal court was crowded with onlookers. A sensational murder trial was drawing to a close. And the prisoner, a young man, his face pale and haggard because of the ordeal through which he was passing, leaned forward and listened intently as the prosecuting attorney brought his summary of the case to a close. And all the evidence presented to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, (coughs) proves beyond a doubt that the accused Chester Canby went to the office of one of our city's most outstanding and respected physicians, the worthy Dr. Clausen, and shot him down in cold blood. Will you, who are intelligent, law-abiding citizens of our city, allow such an unwarranted act of violence by this hot-headed youth to go unpunished? Of course you won't. Look at him cringing before this court of law and order, with fear of the consequences for his act written on his face. Look at him again, I say. See the admission of guilt in his shifty eyes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. In my opinion, he's just the type. He looks like a murderer. I object, Your Honor. Objection sustained. 
The prosecuting attorney will hereafter confine himself to the facts in the case and refrain from expressing his personal opinions. Unless we can have quiet in this courtroom, I shall instruct the marshal to clear the court. The prosecution will proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who has brought many lives into the world, who has, by his great skill, saved many lives, a man whom we could ill afford to lose because of his great medical achievements, such a man is today gone from our midst, the pitiable victim of a ruthless killer. Shall the hot-headed, inexperienced youth of today be allowed to strike down those whose experience and skill have, have proven their worth to our community? A thousand times no. All the evidence in this case points to the accused. The silent voice of Dr. Clawson cries out to you, ladies and gentlemen, for just retribution. It is up to you to see to it that the accused pay with his life for the great, noble life he has so wantonly taken. Your Honor, the prosecution rests its case. It's a lie, do you hear? I didn't kill him, I tell you, I didn't! I must ask the attorney for the defense to prevent any more outbursts on the part of the defendant, or I shall order him removed from the court. As the attorney for the defense, Your Honor, I apologize to the court for the thoughtless outburst by the defendant, which, after all, was but the involuntary reaction of an innocent, tortured soul, crying out against... Your Honor, I object. Such remarks by the defense are out of order. This case has been summarized and closed. The defendant will now stand while the court charges the jury. <laughs> Members of the jury, you've heard all the evidence in this case is presented here in this court by both the prosecution and the defense. Weigh this evidence carefully in your minds. Furthermore, it is my duty to warn you that your decision must be based on facts. And facts alone. The life of an important and valued member of our community has been taken. The defendant who stands before you has been accused of having taken that life. If guilty, he must pay the supreme penalty. If innocent, he will leave this courtroom a free man. It is for you and you alone to decide. Be not hasty in your decision, but rather weigh each and every fact carefully. For upon your judgment, ladies and gentlemen, rests the fate of a human life. The jury will now proceed to the jury room until such time as they shall arrive at a just and definite decision. This court will recess until such a decision has been reached. Your Honor, wait, please let us go. Yeah, hey, young lady, you can't go up there. Let me go. You must let us go, please. Oh, please. Please, Your Honor, no one knows the truth about all that happened. I, I want to tell you that... Please, I asked you not to come here. Your Honor, she's my sister. She's upset about all this. But why didn't you tell him the truth about Dr. Clawson? Why do you sit there and let that lawyer tell the jury what a fine man he was? Your Honor, this girl should be held in contempt of court. This is outrageous. It is not for the prosecution to instruct the bench. I'll make the decisions in this court. Young lady, what's the meaning of this? Have you any direct evidence that will have definite bearing on the outcome of this case? Well, not exactly evidence, Your Honor, but... No matter what happened, no matter who did it, Dr. Clawson deserves to die. Your Honor, this is unheard of. I must ask that you remove the shadow in the court. If this is a ruse 
the defense is attempting to confuse the court as you deem it necessary. I assure the court that the defense had no idea the young lady was in the courtroom. With your honor's permission, I shall see to it that she leaves at once and that there are no further interruptions. Permission granted. courtroom at such time as the jury has reached the verdict. A short time later, Michael Axford, a reporter on the Daily Sentinel who had been in the courtroom, was talking to Britt Reed in the young publisher's office. I'm telling you, Reed, I never saw such excitement in my life as I was at that trial this afternoon. Yeah, so Laurie told me. From all reports, there doesn't seem to be much hope for young Canby. That's right. That prosecuting liar tore his evidence to bits. What little evidence he had, poor chap. Why do you say that, actually? No, what did I say? Well, you just spoke as though you felt sorry for young Canby. Did I now? Well, to tell the truth, that's just the way I do feel, Reed. According to the evidence given at the trial, he was found at the scene of the crime with a murder weapon in his hand. And up to date, he's maintained a silence about the whole thing, except to declare that he's innocent. Sure. And tomorrow, my way of thinking, there's something funny about the whole thing. That girl, for instance, busted in this afternoon and raised her rumpus. Maybe she really knew something. Well, the the judge didn't think so. She was probably hysterical because of the way the trial was going against her brother. Anyhow, I'd like to know what she'd had to say if they'd given her a chance to talk. Well, maybe we'll know a little more when Laurie comes in. He said over the phone he was going to try to get an interview with Canby. So far, he hasn't met any of the press. He likely won't see Laurie this time either. He might know that the trial's about over. The boy's really on the spot if the jury's verdict is guilty because... In that case, he'll be sentenced to death. In the meantime, in his office at the club premiere, a roadhouse on the outskirts of the city, Chick Collins, the owner, was talking to one of his henchmen, a man known as Fingers. Yep, it's just about reached a finish, Fingers. <laughs> Canby hasn't got a chance. Yeah, I'd be glad when it's over. I'm getting tired of hanging out in that back room. Hey, what do you want to keep me hiding out there for anyway, Chick? Nobody knows nothing about it but you and me. Look, I ain't taking any chances, see? Some dick might get to asking you questions. Well, how come the dope ain't squealed about what he knew of Doc Clawson? I don't get it. <laughs> you wouldn't. That guy's kept his mouth shut because he didn't want to drag that kid's sister of his into things. Now, I knew he was like that, and that's what I was counting on. Ah, so that's it. <laughs> what a sap. <laughs> well, if he wasn't such a sap, maybe he would have had a chance. At least he'd have had a chance of getting a lighter sentence. As it is, he'll be done for. Well, now, ain't that too bad? <laughs> sure, nice of him to save our necks, eh, Chick? Shut up. Don't open your trap about that again. You hear? Okay, okay. You needn't fly off the handle. Nobody can hear me. Well, if anybody ever does, you'll take the rap alone. I'll see to that. <laughs> you and your big mouth. Listen, you... If I thought you'd really put the finger on me, I'd give you what old Doc got, but good. I'm just warning you to keep your mouth shut, that's all. You can't afford to have somebody getting suspicious, and you know it. Yeah, let's forget it. Hey, uh, what'd you do with them papers I swiped from the Doc's files that night? Oh, they're in that file cabinet in the back room there where you're hiding out. Believe me, that stuff's dynamite. It's a good thing Doc tipped you off that Canby was going to blow his mouth off to the cops about selling dope to his sister. And lucky for us, the sap stopped here at the club before going to town. It wasn't so lucky for Doc, though. <laughs> well, you better stick in the back room for another day or two until after this thing blows over. Then we'll be in the clear. And if things go the way I think they will, 
Canby will be out of our hair once and for all. Hi, Chief. Hello, Laurie. I've been waiting to hear how you made out with Canby. No luck. I saw him, but he said he didn't have anything to add to what was said at the trial. I see. You followed the trial. What was his story? Well, I remember the other day when, because of lack of defense witnesses, Canby's lawyer decided to put him on the stand. Well, that gave the prosecution the chance he was waiting for. And before he got through, the defense attorney must have been sorry he let Canby testify. And furthermore, it has been brought out at this trial that before you stopped in at the club premiere, you went to Dr. Clausen's office and threatened him. Isn't that so? I did stop in there to see Dr. Clausen. Of course you did. And then you went to the club premiere where you proceeded to become intoxicated. Isn't that true? No, no, it isn't. I did stop to have a drink. Then Collins came by and offered me another. After that, I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember. Then let me refresh your memory. You left the club in a state of intoxication, as witnesses have testified. Got into your car and returned to Dr. Clausen's. There, in a drunken rage, you deliberately drew a gun and killed him. It's a lie. I didn't do it, I tell you. Witness must refrain from such language in this courtroom and answer the questions of the prosecuting attorney. Proceed with the witness. The cleaning woman has testified that upon hearing the shot, she called the police. When they arrived, they found you alone in the office with the victim holding the murder weapon in your hand. Do you admit that to be true? I tell you, I Answer didn't. the question, yes or no. Well, yes, Oh, but... you do admit it. I'm through with the witness, Your Honor. Your Honor, I object. Objection overruled. Next witness. I don't admit it. I didn't kill him. But he deserved what he got. He deserved to be shot. Order in the court. Order. Order, I see. Order in the court. Order. That was about as much as Canby got to say during the whole trial. Believe me, those outbursts he made didn't do his case any good. Yeah, I can readily understand that, Lowry. But from what you've told me, it looks as though there is more to that case than they've brought out. Yeah. You know, I can't help feeling sorry for the poor guy. Huh. Strange you should say that. Why, what's so strange about it, Chief? Well, Axford said about the same thing a while ago. Did you find out anything about that sister of his, Canby's sister? Well, all I know is the two of them lived together in a small apartment over on West Street in the Marbell Apartments. Nobody's been able to get to see her either. I see. I gather he seems to think a lot of her. Yeah. You know, Chief, if everything didn't point so directly at Candy as a slayer, I'd have been inclined to think he was being framed somehow. Mm, I suppose sometimes evidence can point too directly at a person. I'm rather sorry I didn't attend that trial myself since Candy made such an impression on both you and Axford. It would take almost a miracle to get him out of the mess he's in now. And if he's really innocent as he claims, I'd most certainly like to see such a miracle happen. We'll continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a minute. A tired and worn fighting unit landed in Australia after several months of fighting in the jungles of New Guinea. A group of people standing under the Red Cross emblem were waiting at the dock to meet these men. One of the youthful veterans saw these Red Cross workers and with relief in his voice said, I knew they'd be on the job. The familiar sight of this emblem can be found all over the world. Wherever our fighting forces go, you can be sure the Red Cross will be there too. The money needed to maintain the Red Cross comes entirely from the voluntary contributions of the American people. During the month of March, we're being asked to contribute a minimum of $200 million to the 1944 Red Cross War Fund. $200 
When the Red Cross workers come to your home, give as generously as you can. And now, back to our story. A short time after talking to Lowry, Britt Reed left his office and went to his apartment. After eating dinner, he sat in the living room talking to his faithful valet, Cato, the only person who knew his identity as the Green Hornet. I can't get that Canby case out of my mind, Cato. Radio reports say jury not yet come to agreement, Mr. Britt. I know, but everyone takes the jury's final decision as a foregone conclusion that the chap will be found guilty. Why are you disturbed about Meta? Because I can't get it out of my mind that there's something more to it than has been brought out at the trial. That Canby girl seemed to have something on her mind when she interrupted court proceedings today. No doubt defense lawyer would determine its importance if girl really knew anything. Yes, but according to Axford, he rushed her out of the courtroom as quickly as possible. I wonder what she was trying to disclose. Perhaps, perhaps Green Hornet have some success in finding out. Well, perhaps. It's worth a try anyhow. Let's take her on over to her place in the Black Beauty. If right in Black Beauty, that means use mask and take gas gun. Yeah, that goes without saying. Come on, let's get going. If there is a chance of turning up anything more on the case, it has to be done in a hurry. And I have a hunch the Green Hornet will turn up something before the night's over. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in his bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment house itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. <coughs> Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming Black Beauty sped into the darkness. of Marbell Apartment House now, Mr. Britt. Yes. I'll find out which apartment she's in and then use that back fire escape. I haven't decided yet how I ought to approach the girl. She may be frightened when she sees the mask. Green horn always find way. <laughs> Thanks, Cato. I'll try to live up to your good faith in me. Keep watch. Here goes. Now, don't move the black beauty unless you have to. I'll come back here as soon as I talk to the girl. And let's hope she'll talk to me. Meantime, as Helen Canby waited anxiously for the news of her brother's fate, there was a sudden knock at her apartment door. Oh, my brother's lawyer. Then the jury is... No, not yet. May I come in? Oh, yes, do. Please, tell me what's happening. I wanted to stay with my brother, It's but better that you stay away from the court, Miss Canby, as both your brother and I suggested. I have only a few minutes. I must hurry back. Well, why did you come here? Because I promised your brother I would. He's worried for fear you may give way to your feelings and talk to newspaper men who are bound to hunt you out after the verdict is given. Why have you persuaded Chester that I shouldn't tell my story? 
Why didn't you let me go on the stand in his defense? We've done all we could for you, brother. I don't believe that. And you know it isn't so. You put him on the stand and let that other lawyer tear him to pieces. You never once brought out the fact that my brother rarely drank, that he threatened to expose that doctor to the police, and then stopped at the club premiere to think it over because he didn't want to involve me. You let that Mr. Collins testify that Chester left there intoxicated, and you never even cross-questioned him. Collins' testimony was substantiated by others. Oh, yes, by one of his own waiters. You have no right to be bitter toward Collins. In fact, you owe him a lot for all he's done. What do you mean, for what he's done? He feels sorry for you. He's going to offer you a job in his club. Also, when your brother was in need of an attorney, it was Collins who suggested that I take the case and defend your brother. Mr. Collins suggested that you... You mean he's paying you? In a way, yes. You see, you misjudged him. Oh, I... Oh, I don't know what to think. This whole thing is so terrible. <laughs> Poor Chester... And it's all on my account. Now, now, after all, you didn't know that he'd, well, get into this mess. What? Why, even you believe him guilty. That's why you've done so little to defend him. You're too upset. I think I'd better... Someone's behind that window drape over there. Oh. Come out from behind that drape, you. I've got a gun pointed that way. Come out or I'll use it. You win for the moment, mister. Oh, a masked man. You, Green Hornet. Right. But if I get caught and need a lawyer, I won't hire you, shyster. You'd better think of someone else quick, then. Because I'm turning you over to the police right now. This can't be called the police. Quick. I'll keep this notorious criminal covered until they arrive. Uh, operator. Operator, connect me with police headquarters. Yes, the police, and hurry. Meantime, Cato waited patiently for the return of Britt Reed. As time went on and Reed didn't come back, he became anxious and decided to investigate. He climbed the fire escape and looked through the window, then went quickly to the door of the apartment. Hope this door not locked. So you think you're going to hand me over to the police, eh, Shyster? <laughs> Soon I'll do the laughing hornet. And they put the cuffs on you and take you in. But something tells me right now that they won't get that chance. <laughs> You drop gun, quick! Oh, no, you don't. I'll get you first. Oh, a shooting glug, you missed, but this won't. Oh, somebody I want to see at the club premiere. What oh, a girl! She's all right. Come on, down the fire escape. Oh, they've hurt Chester's lawyer. Help! Please! What's happened? He got away just a minute ago. Say, that's the lawyer for the defense of that Canby case. Is that so? Well, what's he doing there on the floor? The Green Hornet hit him. He came here to see me. I I'm Helen Canby. Sure, I remember you now. Where? Where did that sneaky criminal go? He went down the fire escape. I heard him say something about going to the club premiere. Why didn't you say so? You've got to stop him. Young lady, you stay here. Come on, the rest of you. That hornet's gone out there for no good. You can depend on that. We're going to get there right behind him. Let's get going and quick. In the back room, just off his office at the club premiere, Chick Collins was talking to Fingers. Well, Fingers, guess we might as well get rid of those papers from Doc's files. I know those lists of names are valuable in a way, but they're too hot to keep around. Yeah, especially having them on his letterheads. Heard anything from that mouthpiece yet? Nope. Let me tell you, that lawyer ain't no punk. He sure went about putting that sap can be on the hot seat with tears in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say he did. 
<laughs> yeah, what a pushover that guy turned out to be. A couple of drinks have put him to sleep. I drive him up to Doc's in his own car. Do the job and the dope wakes up with a gun in his mitt surrounded by coppers. <laughs> what a laugh. <laughs> say, now that I think of it, I'd better go into the office and phone down to see how things are coming. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Don't move, Morgan. Keep quiet. Hey, how did you get... Greenhorn! Keep your voice down or I'll use this gun. Hey, okay. What's on your mind? Just this, chump. That lawyer who's defending Canby and your friend Chick Collins are plotting to turn you in as the real killer of Doc Lawson. Hey, what gives you the idea Quiet. That... Suppose I were to tell you that I have a note here written by that lawyer to Collins telling about the plan. Why, that dirty double-crossing rats. I'll find some way to get even if it takes I'll me to... I'll show you how to work it right now. Here's a paper and a fountain pen. I wrote down the whole deal as I saw it. Telling what they had to do with it. You show it to Collins when he comes back and say that you'll send it to the police if they pull a fast one on you. Hey, wait a minute. Where do you come in on this thing? With a confession like that around, I could probably do a little blackmailing. And maybe split with you. You get it? Listen, you think I'm stupid enough to put the finger on myself for signing a confession? Don't be a sap. I'm only interested in the guys with big money. I don't care about you. Anyway, I told you they're getting ready to put the finger on you as it is. Hey, maybe you're as smart as they say after all. Let me see that paper. You are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks all right. Good. Now sign it. There it is. Now when Collins comes back, I'll, I'll show take it. that. Thanks, hey, Give me that. What's the idea? I'll, I'll, I'll take it, you killer. Again. Hey, what goes on in here? Why, you... you must be nervous, dope peddler. Now I'll show you something. Police, I'll leave this confession on the table while they'll be sure to see it, along with those other papers. They can pick up that lawyer. So long, punks. The shooting came from up here. He's there, Holy smoke. Look at here. That hornet must have been here and knocked these two around a bit. Knocked them around, period, I'd say. What's all this stuff on the table, I wonder? Great saints in heaven, look at this, will you? Now, what are you so excited about, Sarge? Doc Lawson, dope gang, Chick Collins. Glory be, we've hooked a dope ring. Doc Lawson was one of them. All them papers prove that. And this here paper's a confession to the Doc's murder, implicating Chick Collins, and believe it or not, that shyster lawyer who defended young Canby. It's signed by a guy called Fingers. Well, that mug must be Fingers. I've seen him around here. Sure, and that's Collins lying there. That lawyer went back to court. Glory, hallelujah. That means young Canby's innocent. Yeah, Nitwin, of course he's innocent if these guys did the killing. If you want to see a real commotion in that courtroom, Oxford, come along and watch while we pick up that lawyer and tell Canby he's free. I wouldn't miss it for the whole of County Cork. This'll be the biggest scoop of the year. Almost. What do you mean, almost? Because the leader of them dope peddlers and the really biggest scoop of the year got away. That sneaking Jack and Nibs, the Green Hornet.
Now's the time for all good Americans to come to the aid of that waste paper drive. Your country needs waste paper. More of it all the time. And one of the biggest sources, the American home, has fallen behind in its quotas. What do you say? Let's make saving and turning in waste paper a habit. When you finish reading your newspaper or magazine, put it in a definite spot along with all the others. Crush paper containers and cartons and grocery bags. Put them on the pile. And then when you've saved a sizable amount, get rid of it through your local collection agency. If you get together 100 pounds of waste paper, you've contributed 650 cartons for the Army's Field Ration K. That's a lot of paper, we'll agree. But to our soldiers, it means a lot of good, wholesome food. And be sure to listen to The Green Hornet next week at this same time. These copyrighted dramas originate in the studios of WXYZ Detroit. All characters, names, places, and incidents are fictitious. Bob Height speaking. This is the Blue Network.